Awesome. Thank you, Tammy. So good. So good to be here. And uh, great being at Northern Hills. Great seeing familiar faces. Good seeing some faces that I haven't, um, that I haven't met. And uh, it's good sensing the presence of God and what God's up to here. And how many excited about 2023, what God's going to do in Northern Hills, what He's going to do in your life, what He's going to do in our city and in our, in our region. And um, we're really expectant for, you know, I mean, every year is a good year in God. How many know that, you know, He knows the plans that He has for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, hope and a future? That's right. Now, now turn to your second choice person next to you and say, hope and a future, hope and a future. <clears throat> you know, uh, it's exciting. You know, we, uh, hope Northern Hills, of course, uh, kicked off in August of, of last year. And, um, uh, you know, as a, as a second location, Hope Center Lower Hut, of course. And, and um you know, the church is planted, but, you know, this year I really believe that it's not so much that we need to plant a church because we can tick that box, but it's, it's about being established. It's about changing gears. Uh, I don't know if any of you still drive manual cars. Is there anybody in the room that actually still drives a manual car? Oh, I'm impressed, Christine. You've got Patrick at the back. That's what you call real drivers. She likes control. Okay, that's good to know. We can cast that out later on. Uh, just kidding. Um, but you know, um, uh, you know, if if you have got a manual car, how many know if you've? You, I, I've been teaching my daughter how to drive. By the way, my daughter, eighteen years, she's just gone to uh, Australia. She's gone to Sydney, and I wasn't able to take her to the finish line. In other words, she didn't get her license, so we kind of ran out of time. But you know, I was teaching her to drive in an automatic because that's. Cheating, really. I mean, you know, in my generation, that's not really driving. Am I, am I right? But hey, I think in the future, look, automatics is going to be like, who drives an automatic? Everyone's just going to have self-driving cars, right? And, um, and, uh, but, you know, if you're teaching someone to drive in a manual, one of the most frustrating things is when they don't change gears. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They start off in first. That's good. But hello, there is four or five gears here. You know, want to choose something else? First gear is okay when you're starting off. You stay in first gear too long. How many know how irritating that can be? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you are a little bit like me where you may not be driving the car, but sometimes you're thinking about what they should be doing when they're driving the car. How many, you know, only the controllers, that's all right. We're going to have an altar call for all of that. We're just flushing it all out. You know, like for instance, the, you know, when it starts to sprinkle, just, it starts to just drizzle just a tiny little bit. And then there are some people that are driving and they're okay with that. And it starts, anybody relate to this? And you're sitting there going, just, just do the windscreen wiper already. Like, you know, <laughs> come on, confession time. Anybody like that? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, occasionally I've actually reached across and done it myself. Like, come on, we need to do that. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I know that I, I got an opportunity. My brother's a, my brother's a pilot, um, and he did used to work for one of the major airlines. Now he works for, um, uh, for a family. He, f he flies their private jet around, which is also pretty cool. And, uh, but when he was... When he was um, you know, flying one of these big planes. I happened to be flying the same airline, and he said, look, you know, I can rejig my schedule, and, and you can fly 
uh, you know, on the plane that I'm flying. And uh, I didn't know if that was a great idea. I mean, you know, you have a lot of confidence in the anonymous person up the front, but then it's your brother. And, uh, you know, but anyway, he said to me, uh, he said to me, do you want to come up and you can have a seat in the jump seat? And I thought, well, this, is, this is a good experience. So I, I, I come out and I, I, I sit in the jump seat just behind the pilots. And I'm thinking, I want to watch everything they do just in case, you know, any time in the future, you know, I'm needing to save a lot of people's lives. So I'm watching very carefully, watching what they do. And, and uh, so they, they get to the end of the runway. And, um, and, uh, and when they get clearance to take off, they just put these four, because there's four engines, they put these four throttles full forward, full power. And they start accelerating down the runway. And, oh, you've got that acceleration feed, that need for speed. You know, I felt a little bit like Top Gun, you know, Maverick is there, you know, and, and, and accelerating down. And then uh, one of the pilots shouts out, V1. And, and they both have their hands on the, uh, on the throttles. When they say that the flying pilot, so the one who's actually in control, takes his hand off the throttle. And, and, uh, and then they keep going, take off. Or they say VR, which is the speed to rotate. And then they take off and they go up in the air and they start heading up. And, and once they sort of, you know, kind of get control of everything, everybody relaxes, you know, then I'm, then I'm like, hey, tell me, tell me, tell me, what's, what's V1? What is that? And they said that's the point that they calculate in terms of the speed and the runway. That is the point of no return. That's the point on the runway that it doesn't matter what happens on the plane, they have to take their hands off the throttle because they cannot throttle back because there is not enough room to stop. In other words, if there's an engine failure, if there's a fire on board, if there's a crisis, whatever happens, this plane is going up. And uh, so that's the point of no return. And, uh, you know, I believe that God speaks over our lives and to people here in this room to say, you need to declare to heaven, V1. Lord, I've gone past the point of no return. I am living for you. I'm putting my hands, my life in the hands of Jesus. Come on. Jesus is my Lord. I'm not, you know, there's no other choice. Whatever happens, come on. Whatever happens, if there is something blow up in your life, whatever happens, you say, God, I have gone past the point of no return. Anybody want to say V1 in the place today? Gone past the point of no return. And, uh, but, you know, as a church, as a church, I think it's time we change gears. So this year is about gear change. We don't want to stick like a learner driver in first gear, but we want to see God change gears. It talks a bit, you know, and that's really about people stepping into key roles, you know, appointing leaders in different areas. And that's going to be the key for, for this year as we, as we step into more of, more of this year. A friend of mine, Peter Robertson, prophetic friend of mine. He is, used to be an itinerant prophet who'd travel and preach, but now God has called him in the later part of his life just to be a man of prayer in his home and a prophet. And he, that's his full-time job. He just, wouldn't that be a cool full-time job? Just business card, prayer. Very simple, you know. And, uh, but he emailed last year and, uh, and, and 
And he said this, and I thought it was just a profound thought. He said, church is not an organization to run. It is the prophet Elijah to this nation. You know, what he's, what he's saying is, look, church isn't just a, you know, an organization you run. The church in New Zealand is the prophet Elijah in our nation. That's what we're trying to raise up. That we don't just want to run a service, run a church, organize things. But God, by his, the power of the Holy Spirit, come on, is trying to raise up people to collectively that we could be the prophet Elijah to New Zealand. Elijah was a man of prayer. The Bible tells us in, in James chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man just like us, or a human being, I should say, just like us, or even as we are. He, the Bible says he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Uh, you know, when we look in First Kings about the story that James is talking about here with, uh, with Elijah, we see that there's two key things that we can have as a takeaway from Elijah's life. If God is raising up the, the church in New Zealand to be the prophet Elijah to our nation, it's because we need to be a church that's a church of prayer, but we also need to be a church that is a demonstration of the reality and the power of God to a lost land and to a lost nation. And, uh, and so in the prayer side of things, we see in First, uh, First Kings 18, the story, see, see, Elijah had prophesied to the king. There had been a famine in the land for three and a half years, and Elijah had said to the king, he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. There's no rain. I mean, like, the sky is completely blue, which is probably Wellingtonian's dream. But, you know, if you've been in, in a famine for three and a half years, the, 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 the sky is completely blue. There is no rain. And yet Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. There is coming rain over our land that's going to shower. There's going to come a flood. And, uh, and, and so you see, as a prophet, he was prophesying what he believed God was wanting to do in the nation. As, as, a, as a church, we are a church that believes that we are being called to be a church that has a message of revival to New Zealand, that we believe that, that yeah, great things are happening right now, but God wants to do an outpouring of the Holy Spirit across our land and across New Zealand and, uh, and it may look completely different to what we see. You know, in the, in the spirit, you might say, well, you know, it doesn't look like a, a great awakening right now. But we want to be a church that can prophesy and say, uh, this is what we believe God is going to do in our land. But then he didn't just stop there because then the Bible says he went up after he told the king about it. He went up and he began to intercede. He began to pray. And uh, prayer is an incredible privilege. And, and so in 1 Kings 18, verse 42, he says, So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees, and he began to pray. And then he said to his servant, after he'd prayed for a while, Hey, go look towards the sea. And so his servant went and looked and came back and said, There is nothing. What was he looking for? He said, Go and look to see if my prayers have been answered yet. And, and is there any evidence of a great outpouring? Is there any evidence of any rain? And so the servant trots away, has a look, you know, comes back. Hey, Elijah, nothing. And he goes, okay. And he keeps praying. Keeps praying for another little while. And, and uh, the servant is just hanging out. And then, and then Elijah's like, hey, servant, come back, come back, come back. Yeah, 
Can you go and check again? So he goes, checks, has a look, comes back. Nah, there's no rain. And so then he continues to pray some more. You see, the Bible tells us in James that Elijah was a man just like us. He was a person just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And then he prayed earnestly that it would rain. And the heavens poured out over the nation. So there he is again. And he calls us after praying for a while. He feels like, hey, I've got faith for this. And he calls his servant. All right, go look again. And the servant says, man, I'm getting tired legs here. You know, what's wrong with this guy? Goes and he looks. No, 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 there's nothing, man. There's not even a cloud. Praise. Check again. Oh, man, I'm sick of working for this guy, looking around. No, there's nothing. He goes, okay, 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 let's just, just hold it there. I'm just continue to pray. And he continues to pray. He says, okay, now check again. He's like, man, these Pentecostals. It's always about revival. It's always about awakening. It's all about, how, when are they going to get the message that there is nothing? Hello, am I in a Pentecostal church? You guys switched on me. And, uh, and, and he comes back and he's like, Elijah, for the fifth time, there's nothing. There is no mist. There is no cloud. There is no rain. Continues to pray. See, we need to be people who will persist in prayer. That we will persist in prayer. That we said, Lord, you promised it. You've declared it. Lord God, I'm continuing to pray. You know, we don't just sit back in our lazy boy and just sort of look back and go, oh, well, God said it'll happen. Therefore, it'll just happen. But you know, when God says something is going to happen over your life, there is a personal responsibility that we have. The way we steward the promises of God. And we said, God, we want to pray through until the will of God is established. You want to know the Lord's prayer is not just a passive thing that we say in funerals and weddings. Come on. But it is a military thing that says, I'm declaring, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on the earth, in New Zealand, in Lower Hutt, in Johnsonville, as it is in heaven. You know, if there is presence of God in heaven, I want it in my workplace. If, there's, if there is healing in heaven, I want to have it in Lower Hutt. Come on, is anybody here in this place? And, and he says, no, it's, it's a military thing. And so, and so he says to Elijah, for the fifth time, there is nothing. And he says, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to pray earnestly. And he goes, ooh, 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 ooh. Check again. Check again, man. My knees are sore. When is this guy going to quit? Looks around. Nothing. Comes back. And guess what? He goes, I'm still going to pray. You know what? There are some Christians... You know, there's some Christians that they don't want to be part of the process. They just, they just want to dance in the rain when the rain falls. Ooh. But isn't it an incredible privilege to be part of the the declaration and the prayer and saying, God, we're going to change our nation. We were called to be in this land for such a time as this. You know, you know some people are like, oh, you know, it's the end times. The Antichrist and the end times. And, you know, end times, man. If it's the end times, then lift up your head and rejoice because you were called and suited to be here at this time. So don't spend your whole time on YouTube getting freaked out and scared. Spend some time praying and saying, Lord, thank you that I live in the end times. And I get the joy of seeing the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the massive harvest. Oh, it's the end times. You never know. They're the mark of the beast. It could be Jacinda. Oh, she's resigned. It's not Jacinda. It could be somebody, you know. 
Jesus said, when you see all these coming, he says, lift your head. Don't hide behind a rock. I really believe that as we get closer to the end times, that we become a people that are more and more signs and wonders people. You know, when the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, there was all these plagues that were hitting the Egyptians. But you know what? They weren't touching the land of Goshen where the people of Israel were living. We need to be people that say, I'm going to live a supernatural life. That it doesn't matter the things that are happening around and about me. It doesn't matter what's happening. It, it can be a recession, but there's not going to be a recession in my heart, in my life, in my business, in my bank account. Come on. We want to say we want to believe to be counterculture. I was laughing, actually. There's a church in Auckland, and um, they... they I want to be sister church to, to Hope Center. And I, I was laughing because I texted him this morning and I, I was hearing about the cyclone, you know, it's hitting Auckland and they're advising people not to do unnecessary driving. So I texted him to say, hey, you're running a service this morning in, in Auckland. And <laughs> over summer, he'd gone on a tenting holiday in the north. Okay, and got completely washed out and just got, you know, so poor old Derek, he had his, he had his holiday plan smashed over summer because of all the flooding. So he rebooked his holiday for this, for this weekend and, and uh, the next few days. So, so I text him, say, oh, you got a, you got a service? And, and he says, you're not going to believe this. He says, I'm on a tenting holiday in Coromandel. <laughs> ah, so... I texted, I laughed, I said, there were signs and wonders, the weather is following him, you know, flooding, you know, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain, brother. Uh, <laughs> so he has to abandon his tenting holiday again. But, you know, uh, here's Elijah and he's praying. And then he says to his servant, go look again. And the servant goes away. And he's almost about to come back and say, I can't see anything. And then he sees what the Bible calls a cloud the size of a man's hand. Sometimes when God answers your prayer, it's going to be like a seed. It's going to be like a little mustard seed. And he said, I don't know if this counts as the abundance of rain, but I do see a little puff of a cloud on the horizon. And he came back to Elijah and he said, I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand. Do you know what Elijah did? He said, that's it. And here's the cool thing. Once he knew his prayer, once he had the assurance that his prayer was answered, he didn't keep interceding anymore. But he's like, it's done. I want you, there are times that you will be believing God for something and then you get the it's done. You pray and you pray and you pray and pray until you get the it's done. And when you know it's it's done, you start speaking to your mountain. You just start, start saying, I thank you, Lord, that it's done. I don't need to intercede anymore. I don't need to ask you anymore. I just start declaring, hey, cloud, you get bigger. Cloud, I just command you to be over our nation. Come on. Because when you have the assurance from the Lord, Great, powerful things will happen. And you stop then praying about it, and you start thanking the Lord for it, declaring it. Jesus said this, If any of you have faith even the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Be ye moved. In other words, when you really have the I know that I know that I know that little, that even the size of a man's hand, you can speak to the mountain and say, I command you. I command you to move. 
and, uh, and some powerful, powerful things happen. You know, for us to be people of prayer, it, uh, it's a joy. I want to I encourage you to say, Lord, I, I want to be part of I want to be part of your prayer army. Sometimes when we do that, we need to put aside distractions. So when I was on holiday, I took a day to go to my favorite place to pray, which is Rabbit Island. So I said to Jody and the girls, okay, today I'm going to take the truck and I'm going to go to Rabbit Island and you guys spend the day doing whatever you do. So, so I went out there, put my phone in the glove box, went for a walk. Rabbit Island is a little bit out of Nelson and it's got a massive long beach and then it's got paths through this forestry area. And so I love to just go. Walk, pray, hang out with God, walk the beach, walk the forestry area, sometimes find a patch amongst the trees and uh, just spend time hanging out with God. You know, when I came back to, I was glorious. When I came back to my car, opened up the glove box, got my phone, there was 12 missed calls and 18 WhatsApp messages. And I thought to myself, you know what? If I'd have taken my phone, even if I hadn't answered the 12 calls, I would have been distracted. And we can, we can live in a society that's so full of distractions and things that crowd in, but we need to make time for God. One of my great heroes, Yonggi Cho, he, uh, he said to his secretary, he felt like God was calling him to spend the day in prayer. So he said to his secretary, I'm going to be in the office and I don't want you to disturb me at all. If Jesus comes, you can knock on the door. But unless it's Jesus, I don't want you to disturb me. So anyway, he, he spends the whole day in his office in prayer, and he comes out, and um, there's a message for him to ring the PA of the president of South Korea. And so he rings, rings her up, and she's furious. She said, I expect you to fire your secretary, because the president had some important decisions, and he wanted to contact you. But she never passed any messages. She said that you were busy. And, but this is the president of our country. And after all this time, now you call back. She said, I expect you to fire your secretary because he, she never put the call through. And she never knocked on your door. And Cho said to the secretary, look, I'm very sorry that it inconvenienced the president. But I was too busy talking to the heavenly president that I couldn't have time for the earthly president. <laughs> so I'm not going to fire my secretary. Isn't that cool? I, had, I was too busy talking to my heavenly president than to talk to the earthly president. That's so powerful. We need to take time to do that. But you know, the second thing about, about Elijah was this, just very quickly. It says that he also, not only was he a man of prayer who prayed in the purposes of God over his nation, but also... He was one who demonstrated the reality of the power of God. And I believe God is raising up the prophet Elijah in New Zealand amongst God's people that collectively that, collectively that we are the prophet Elijah. And he said in 1 Kings 18, he went to a nation that had gone away from God. And he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. And so then he said, let's have a contest. Let's prove to you that God is real. And he said, look, why don't you get an altar and get a bull on it? And, and I'll get an altar with a bull on it. And you pray to your God, and I'll pray to my God. And the God who answers by fire, he's the Lord. 
They did that, and the prophets of Baal were totally convinced that their God was more powerful, and they were cutting themselves and praying all through the day, but there was no fire that came from heaven. And it's quite fun because Elijah was sort of mocking them. Why don't you pray harder? Cut deeper? Hey, maybe he's on holiday. You know, maybe he's sleeping. Who knows what, you know? And, uh, and then when it comes his turn, he just said, Lord, he said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it easy on you. I'm going to get them to pour water over the sacrifice, over the wood, over the animal. I'm going to make it hard. How many of you know it might be hard? Uh, you know, it might be hard to light a bonfire that's wet. So he said, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it hard for the Lord. I'm going to pour water over all. And then he prayed and he said, Lord, answer. Answer these people and prove to them that you are God and that you're turning their hearts back to you. Now, that's a pretty dramatic thing, but I think that collectively the body of Christ, God is raising up God's people to just demonstrate the reality of Jesus. Your life, your prayers, amongst your peers, to demonstrate that God is alive. The world might want guidance from the stars, from horoscopes, from tarot cards, but the real, those things are just counter, uh, counterfeit compared to the real prophetic, the real voice of God that the human heart craves. The world might look for healing in alternative different ways, but those things, you know, have nothing except for the power of God. And I believe God is wanting to raise up an incredible church that can be like the prophet Elijah in the nation. It was funny, up in Sydney, just a little small thing is that Krista was staying in as a homestay and uh, she's gone to study ballet in Sydney and, and uh, she's staying with a homestay person. And, and this, this lady is a lovely lady, uh, really into new age. And um, so she's got all sorts of, you know, I think she's got five or six Buddhas all around the, the bottom floor of the house and all these sorts of areas. But she was often very fatigued, very tired, not well. She heard that Krista was a Christian, and so over dinner, she said, would you like to say grace? And so Krista, my daughter, 18, she just said grace, and then she said, Lord, I ask you for Jennifer that you'd give her a really good sleep tonight. That was it. That was grace. Jennifer wakes up in the morning, and she said, I had such a good sleep. I haven't had a sleep like that for so long. She said, maybe I should come to church. I've been having a good sleep. Yeah, maybe I should come to church the, the next night for, for dinner. She says to Krista, um, could you do that thing again about, <laughs> could you do that thing again about sleep? And you know, and, and here's, here's the great thing is that God is alive. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And this isn't the season of the superstar, but God wants His grace to flow through us in, in just simple ways. He wants you to be you and not somebody else, not some carbon copy, but the gift of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God needs to flow through your life. You know, I've shared this story and, and I really believe it. As we think about church, as we think about changing gears, we think about where we're going. A few years ago when Krista was a lot younger, I took her to go to McDonald's and put her in the back seat and we were living in Auckland at the time and we went out the main road and as I looked left and right to get into traffic, I saw a man come running out of our local dairy with a gun. And he jumped in the passenger seat 
uh, of the car and they took off and I tried to memorize the license plate number and then I went into the dairy and our local dairy owner had been just a flesh wound but she'd been shot in the arm as she tried to escape into the back room. These guys got away with cigarettes and a bit of cash. And anyway, we police came around and I gave my report and all that stuff and they ended up being able to get them. But, but as, as, uh, as I was at home and it was like a Sunday afternoon and I was still stirred about that experience because even though I live in Auckland, I'm not that used to, you know, armed robberies and all that on our corner dairy. And, and, uh, and, uh, and then my neighbor, so we got a driveway and we were 28B and then there was D and C. But they were kind of, D was on one side, C was on the other. They kind of got the A, B, C, D thing kind of a little bit mixed up. But anyway, Anita pops her head over the fence. She worked for the police. She said, hey, Paul, just want you to know last night we caught the guy. And, and when we were reading the witness reports, I realized that my neighbor was the witness. And so I just wanted you to know that we caught him. And I was like, oh, that's great, fantastic, really good. And then later on, on, on the Monday, I was doing a little bit of water blasting. And Mr. Singh, who lived in the other side, pulled in. And he comes out and he comes down to me and he said, hey, I just want you to know that you know that guy that you witnessed? Well, I had to look after him today because he works at Mount Eden Ramad. And I was like, wow. So I saw the crime. Anita arrested him. And Mr. Singh is looking after him in jail. Wow. I thought, man, this is the best driveway in all of Auckland. And I thought, what's the chances of that? What's the chances of that? Don't mess with this driveway, man. We're cleaning up Auckland. But the next morning, as I was just contemplating that, I felt like, Lord, it feels like you're wanting to speak to me about something. And I've never forgotten this. The Lord said, you know, it's about divine relationships. You'll take your gift, join hands with the person who's supposed to be on your right hand. The person who's supposed to be on your left hand. One could put a thousand to flight, but two can, can cause 10,000 to flee. He says, if you, if you join with those I called for you to be in divine relationship on one side and on the other, together you can render the thief powerless. You know, that's what church is about. Church is about us bringing our simple part in the kingdom. Our gift. We might not be superstars, but we bring our gift. But we, we, we discover and say, Lord, I believe you're calling people with a similar heart and a DNA and a spirit and a calling. And we, we don't completely understand everything you're wanting to do. But Lord, we bring our gift and we join with the person on the right and we join with the person on the left. And together, our impact multiplies. And, and I believe if we can do that as a church, if you can bring your gift, but if you say, God, I believe you've called me into divine relationship with this one and, and with that one, and we, we have a collective DNA and a calling together, that the ability of the kingdom of God suddenly gets multiplied. Because I don't believe for a moment that lone wolves, that solo travelers can ever fulfill their mandate and their calling. But if we join our hearts together, that God has deposited keys in somebody else's life that then comes and feeds yours. Does that make sense? 
Why don't you just bow your heads across this place? And Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We thank you for what we sense that you're doing. We thank you for what we sense you're doing in our nation. Just have your eyes closed. I was hearing about Rick Joyner in America who is, runs a prophetic ministry called Morning Star Ministries. And he was bringing a vision message in America to Americans. And at the end of that message, he shared something which was totally out of line with his vision and his church and where he was. He said this. He said, I was in a dream two days ago and there was a revolution about to begin in New Zealand. He said, I knew it was going to be a good revolution. Something good is going to be transformed in that country in a really good way. And I remember thinking, wow, isn't that amazing that Americans were waiting to hear from a prophet. And he talks about our little land down here on the bottom of New Zealand. And so, Holy Spirit, we just sense that there is a good revolution. In other words, that you're turning the hearts of people back to you. That you're taking gifts and you are multiplying them. That the tide of your spirit is coming up around our nation. That you're calling the church to be Elijah. People of prayer, but also people that would demonstrate the reality of Jesus to people around and about them. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you right here in this place. You place your hand upon us. Cause us to fulfill everything you've mandated for us to be. If you want to say here today, Lord, I want to be one that brings my simple gift. But I want to join together with those on my left and those on my right so that together our impact is multiplied. And if that's you, why don't you just where you are, just quickly, just stand to your feet. Say, yes, I want to, Lord, I want to be one that brings my gift, joins hands with the one on the left and one on the right, that you would bring me into divine relationship for your kingdom and for your purpose. So Lord, as you see all of these people standing all over this place, we just say, Holy Spirit, yes. Come with a fresh anointing, Holy Ghost. Come with a fresh fire, Spirit of God. That you would burn inside of us with the part that we get to play. We thank you, it's not by might or by power, or our own, own abilities, but it's by the Spirit of God. And we're just gonna worship God for a moment before we finish up. But as we worship God, I just wanna ask the prayer team, just, just as the Lord leads you, just to just move around this place and just lay hands and say, Lord, yes, we agree. We bless the gift, we bless we bless that which you have deposited in, the, in these vessels. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that something significant can happen when we stand towards heaven and say, Lord, here we are. Send us, join us together. Use that which you've made us to be for your glory. And if, if, if you're standing next to someone uh, standing or someone in front of you, why don't you, why don't you just place a hand and say, God, 
join our hearts together, join our giftings together. Lord, multiply our impact collectively. We bless the gift. We bless the call. We bless the purpose of heaven over this one. We thank you, Lord, as Billy Graham once said, God only has broken vessels. And we thank you that we may be broken in parts, but Lord, yet your glory wants to shine through and flow through us, Lord. Let's just worship God. Just allow the Spirit of God. Let His fire continue to build. If you're in the prayer team, you just begin just, just moving around, just blessing those that are here. Don't wait for somebody else to lay hands on you because just allow the Spirit of God to burn a fire on the inside of you.